Welcome to Reckoning. My name is Ingrid, and I'm starting this podcast to share open and honest discussions about our experiences with death. I'm hoping that as a culture, we can grow to talk about it without it being feared as a heavy, scary, and overwhelming topic. Let's talk about it more, get a little more comfortable with it, wrestle and wonder and ask questions. Let's reckon with it. We all have to deal with this aspect of life. We will lose everyone we know, and we ourselves will die. So how can we face this reality with eyes more open, with some grace, humility, understanding, and even appreciation? How can we embrace this aspect of being a human and use it as a way to grow, learn, and expand? The goal of this podcast is to turn toward these shared experiences, using our stories and collective wisdom to gain some courage and strength and skill to face it. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to and have these conversations with me. Thanks for being willing to reckon with the topic of death and dying. This interview is part of a series of seven interviews I did with classmates for a project in my end-of-life class. I'm so grateful to them for sharing so vulnerably and taking the risk to tell their story to me when some of us have only met on Zoom or only met in this one class. If you haven't checked it out yet, I created an episode where I combined all seven interviews into one, and I highly recommend listening. Jeanette and I'm here in my home I'm actually in the room where my dad passed this was Mm. his bedroom for a short time but he did live part-time with us so it was kind of like his bedroom Mm -hmm. Um, well I mean thanks for immediately framing our conversation Um, you know the description that you know you're in the room that your dad died in that that feels already pretty powerful to me that you know we're going to have a conversation about death and dying and you're in a space where that happened and so um my understanding is that you would like to talk about your parents and the process of it sounds like maybe they both lived with you and you were with them both when they died so yes they lived very close just a few blocks down the street so Mm -hmm. we had been in each other's homes for years and as they got older we just drive them to our house. We were just back and forth. We became the family unit, the six mm-hmm. of us. And by the six of us, I mean both of them, my mom and dad, and my husband and our two children. Mm-hmm. So my children got to see the death and dying process as mm-hmm. well. Um, not as much as my mom, because she died in the hospital, but with my dad, because he had moved in with us part-time and they helped mm. some with his care. And we all knew that he could live. We had all decided he would live here with us for as long as we could care for him. But we mm-hmm. knew that it was getting close that we wouldn't be able to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they brought him from hospice into the room with the hospital bed, they were here to, they were surround, you know, we were here 
hours and he did some suctioning and you know just kind of here whereas my mom I was with her in the hospital when they took her in she was already on hospice Mm -hmm. and uh, her heart was failing and they wanted to discharge her to some type of uh, assisted living facility Mm -hmm. even if it was just going to be for a couple weeks which I found very disruptive Mm. but then she took a turn for the worse and they said it would be liable to try to transport her in her condition because she might die in route Mm. so they kept her there for a couple more days and Mm -hmm. they they both had already had their advanced directives Mm. all their paperwork in order Mm. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to be there for their last breaths. Mm. And I spoke to them as if they could still hear me. I was following the advice from all the hospice personnel. Mm-hmm. 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 How far apart were their deaths? Were, um... Two years. Oh, okay. And within the same month. So one okay. died August of 2020. That's my dad and my mother died August of 2018. Okay. Oh, so that's really recent that your dad that yes. your dad died. And what I found is that there's a lot of busy work, you know, mm-hmm. death. There's a lot of paperwork and administrative yeah. work involved when someone dies for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that keeps you busy mm-hmm. for at least a year. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, it seems like when you could really feel the sense of them gone mm-hmm. because everything's gone. The house is sold. Someone else is living in there. You know, mm-hmm. I still get mail in both their names, but it's mm-hmm. nothing that is relevant. That's, that's fascinating. That is something that I haven't really talked about yet with anyone on this, on this podcast is um, yeah, the paperwork the paperwork side and the responsibilities and especially as um, especially as a child taking care of like the loss of a parent, it's, you know, this thrust of responsibility for, oh yeah, obituaries and crematoriums and, um, yeah. and yeah, assets and all of that. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I, we had a lot of it taken care of. I was already a power of attorney just based on that. I do have a sister that lives in another state based on the fact that we just live so close and mm, we didn't use it until the just close to when they both died. It was just there active in case. So I didn't have to jump through too many hoops, but there's still quite a bit. Mm. This, it, it depends on your county. It depends on your state. Mm-hmm. I had to attend a specific training for people mm-hmm. that are power of attorneys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's still a lot to do. Yeah, and we've talked about that in our class a little bit. You know, advanced directives and the importance of there's like these financial and legal elements to things that, um, as you say, it's a lot to navigate and. And to manage and, um, and the first yeah. piece that I learned is that you cannot move until you have the death certificate. And I forgot there was a reason and then delaying of my father's death certificate. I don't mm-hmm. know what had happened. So 
until you have that, you can't go to the bank. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to get pay- things in motion, basically. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. need to have a lot of this paperwork in order for the realtor, you know. And then if you're navigating issues with family members, it can get complicated, mm-hmm. too. Um, everyone wants you to do it their way, even though someone else is, you know, given the task to represent and execute you know, what mm-hmm. the parents wanted. Mm-hmm. So it's all, uh, you're not just dealing with the emotion and the grief, but right. kind of the business aspect of it as well. Yes, yes, that's such a good point. Um, and I'm curious if that felt, I've, I've heard it expressed, you know, in a couple of different ways. Some people, I think for some people, it's like a relief to have something to do, something actionable, um, something to kind of, you know, keep moving forward. And I've also heard people express that it's like draining and exhausting and hard to add that on while, as you say, you're trying to grieve and process. And maybe it's both, but I'm, I'm curious what it felt like for you <clears throat> to have all that administrative so, duty. <laughs> sure. For me, it was more of the draining and exhaustion being mm-hmm. that um, my sister was felt things should go up in a different route. Mm-hmm. So I think if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have been as bad. So I felt mm-hmm. this extra pressure. Mm-hmm. It became a contentious situation, which doesn't always happen. I've seen it not happen with some of my friends where all Mm. the siblings pitch in and Mm. nobody's upset, you know? So Mm -hmm. that in itself, I think was a whole, if I had to divide it in three, that would be one third. The business part of it was another third. And then the grief, another third, because I did not know how I was going to continue to take care of my dad. And I also had two kids and I found myself not knowing Mm -hmm. every morning if I could do this on top Mm -hmm. of having that contention with my sister made it worse. Mm -hmm. I felt some initial relief when he died. Um, Also because of his age and I knew he had missed my mom for so much, Mm -hmm. you know, and that he was just probably going to get weaker. And I just didn't want to see him eventually go into some type of a, home situation you know nursing Mm -hmm. home because he said that would just kill him he Mm -hmm. didn't want to go so um I did I was relieved that he went fairly quick maybe by the time so he had a stroke in our home I just given Mm -hmm. him a snack and by the time the ambulance I think within 48 hours really Mm -hmm. no more than that I he he wasn't even he was at our house overnight and the next day he died. He was in the hospital mm. a couple days. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying about the the thirds, right? Like there's all these different dimensions that you know we're navigating in those experiences. And it's um it's not just the grief, although obviously that is a big part of our, you know, our experience and the emotions, but um yeah, navigating all of these other like life is still happening for us, right? We have yeah, children to watch, jobs to do, um, you know, our own responsibilities as adults to manage. And that I think 
Um, I think that can add a lot of pressure to these experiences in which, you know, I think, I think most of us intuitively would like to just put everything on pause and attend to these last moments with people in these last years. And, and that's, you know, just not, not always an option. And so I um, also <clears throat> was conflicted is to let my children see this whole process mm -hmm. and see me a mess you know part of me was trying to hide it from them you know mm -hmm. am I traumatizing them by bringing him here and then seeing a body being taken away from the home you know because it's their grandpa <laughs> you know or am I showing them that this is life you know you it's not like just you know they take a person away and you're done Right. So I didn't know, you know, mm -hmm. if I was making things worse for them. Did you have conversations about that as a family or how, like, how did you process that? Cause I think that's a really interesting question. I didn't ask them, do you mind if, because it was my dad, you know, mm -hmm. and I think, I had to go with with what felt right when I thought would be the most dignity for my dad. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really bring them into the conversation. Like, do you want pop is what they call them, pop mm -hmm. to come, you know, and it happens pretty fast. The hospitals don't give you a lot of time. They mm -hmm. need the bed, you know, mm -hmm. they, it's, we we needed to move fast mm -hmm. and it was either going to be searching for a place where his where he goes to die which can take longer mm -hmm. it's like no we're just going to bring him home mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and and I also wanted to teach him you know about what I value yeah yeah and also but maybe for a, from a cultural perspective as well. I saw my mom being from Mexico, you know, where you do take care of your elderly in the home mm -hmm. as much as you can. And uh, they, I just thought it was important to teach them this is what we do as humans. Mm -hmm. And in uh, our family, and I, you know, I don't know what their choices will be, but it would, I don't know if everyone has the same experience or not. Mm. And they, luckily, they're both buried close by as well. So they got to see the, the funeral process, the burial. Mm -hmm. And we go from time to time. I try to go once a month and invite them. Well, my son's in college now, so he doesn't, but you know, mm -hmm. holiday birthdays, their anniversary, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, have you have you had conversations with your kids since then? Like, have they said anything about like, wow, mom, that was really traumatic? Or have they said anything I, like, I'm really glad? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I will ask them. Mm -hmm. I will ask them. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know my son says he, you know, misses pop, mm. you know, and I don't know if I've asked my daughter, although they had a little bit more of a closer relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a good question to ask. Mm. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. I mean, I, we all have, you know, like I have my own lens and my perspective. <clears throat> I feel like just my biased reaction is like, I think that's a beautiful gift that you gave your children um, to have an intimate uh, experience with death. Um, one that is like within the family and within the home, you know, I can imagine that like some, some deaths really are traumatic and they're really tragic and they can be, they can really shake a family. And it sounds like, you know, to have hospice involved, um, and, you know, your parents live nearby. And so there was a rich relationship already established. And I, yeah, so I just think that's a beautiful thing for them to be integrated in a part of that. Um, I know our dog who liked my dad too, she was here too. And mm. she would like come and check. It was interesting, mm. you know, <laughs> that's what I said about that. I didn't under was how oh, I hate using the word vibes or something. There's mm. just this gravitational mm. pull of a feeling I've never felt before. Mm -hmm. And the person that was here who had been with many people have died. She said, you know, he's really close, but when people are dying they want to hang in there and they're mm. sensing something and she says I often find when everyone gives them space and we're not hovering mm. is when they take their last breath and mm. so we did we moved from this room just over to our living room to give them space because we were mm. all hovering like just staring you know waiting mm -hmm. you know we don't want to miss <laughs> this um and then we didn't hear anything and she said I think it might have happened or it's about to and we walked over and sure enough it was his last breath she mm. knew what she was talking about she'd done mm. it for years and knew all the signs mm. and mm. I didn't know that part that it happens quite a bit when everyone leaves the room mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's why I feel like there is still some sense, you know, because you're giving them permission mm -hmm. to let go. And that was very moving and strong. And I'm thinking with my mom, I think I was trying to do, I was in the hospital with her for days, you know, they bring you a cot or they have these mm. awful fold out, you know. Right. right. I think maybe I had dozed around the time it happened just for a few minutes. And then, but what woke me up is that I didn't hear her breathing, mm -hmm. which is this rattling sound I had learned mm -hmm. about that it's not painful for them, but the saliva and fluids going through this esophagus, mm -hmm. all of the death rattle. And then all of a sudden I didn't hear the death rattle, although we were in the same room. And I walked over and I put my ear on her chest, you know, and then I let the nurse know. And I just stayed there still. The way you describe those moments, it's, there's something really sacred about them, 
really profound, very still. Um, and there's, I, just, yeah. there's this strength. I can't explain it. It's just called like a very sad strength, you know, mm. um, sad peace. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you just it's one of those things you don't know what it's going to feel like until it happens no matter what book you read what they explain to you what pamphlet Mm -hmm. they give you unless you've had this experience before and then on the same time everybody's different Mm -hmm. some people don't want to feel or they're glad or their relationship you know Mm -hmm. is different when you so when I left the hospital you get in your car and you see that the world's just going mm-hmm. on. Nobody knows. They don't know what's just happened to you. Right. You no. Know, and I'm thinking all this time I've been driving around and running errands and I'm, I'm talking about years, not just recently. And how many of us are feeling so broken of things that have just happened and we don't talk about it and we don't take it into account. So That's why after my dad died, if I was at the grocery store and I was going to cry, I let myself. So Mm. if anyone were to ask, I could just tell them, you know, yeah, so that people would know, not for personal attention, but just that we're amongst running our errands and going to work Mm. while we're hurting all the time. And if it's not me, it's someone else. Both my parents were always at peace with dying. I can't say that I feel the same for myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe it changes when we get older. Their lives were complete and there there was something to be said for that. They gave me some peace. They were both 90. Oh, wow. I want, just before I forget, I, you know how in class we talk about having the pulse and the advanced mm-hmm. medical directive and you know I took all the paperwork with me because I thought this might be it the stroke you know and despite having everything I couldn't believe how the ER doctor or the medical personnel were still pushing for treatment mm. we can do this we can do that you know it's like no he see here they don't they didn't want anything get you know they didn't want feeding tubes they didn't want ever he's gonna be he can't swallow anymore mm-hmm. life I, I felt like I had to explain but I shouldn't have had to yeah yeah I'm glad you brought that up I think um you know because we're reading these things for class talking about what the medical system provides and how it operates um, in terms of end of life. And, you know, one of the points I think we've talked a little bit about is that, you know, the medical system is designed to like heal people, fix things, prolong life. And I think it has a harder time when there's, you know, not a, not a cure in sight. Someone has reached the natural course and end of their life, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was like 90, you know, right. like how long would we extend this and it would just not be what he wants? Like in class, we t- it's different than someone that's 40, you know, having mm-hmm. a, a stage, what a stage three cancer, you know, but he was 90 and he had all these other conditions and we had it all in writing and I said no mm-hmm. I said he's been missing my mom for two years he's 90 mm-hmm. not going to be able to swallow all this all these 
you know, the advanced directive and pulsed. He had a pulsed, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. comfort measures only. And I, I almost felt bad having to push. Like I was saying, wow. he needs to die now, you know, but wow. I wasn't. I don't think I should have been asked to <laughs> Do you want him to have these surgery and treatments? It almost felt 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 like it was a financial incentive Mm. for them. And it made me angry. Yeah. And that's what a, you know, what an unfair strain to put on families that are already in the process of, you know, all of, as we talked about all of these, like, you know, decisions and navigating all of this grief and, you know, their lives are upended. And then on top of that, to have to be like, advocate really hard for, you know, something that um, shouldn't necessarily, that shouldn't be on your plate in that moment. Um, I am glad that at the time, my kids were already teens, but there were instances where my parents, because they had me late in life, mm-hmm. I in turn had my kids late in life, but um, so they're already in their 80s you know, mid eighties, lady, while my kids were, you know, and still young enough. So when there were emergencies or hospitalizations, there was an earlier hospice for my dad at one point, you know, then I'm also trying to find childcare for them. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. maybe not most people with elderly parents, but in my Mm -hmm. particular situation, it was, Mm -hmm. and I did the not work so that I could care for both parents and kids. Mm -hmm. So that all was I was already taxed Mm -hmm. on top of everything. Yeah, it's a lot to juggle. And like you're handling, you know, kind of both ends of the spectrum of life, you know, you've got young ones that are just kind of coming in. And it's like, you're teaching them about things and how you know, and then at the same time, it's like, letting go of people that have, you know, they're, they're on their way out, so to speak. Um, Yeah, that I feel like that would be really hard to manage emotionally. Were there, were there particular things that helped get you through that? I mean, were there people or resources or things you read or? Well, here's, interestingly enough, there were support groups at a Milwaukee center where my dad and parents would go from time to time, but I couldn't get away because I had kids. Mm. I would have Mm -hmm. liked to have gone. Mm Mm-hmm. So there were things, but I often had to be home for the kids or Mm -hmm. um, maybe there was an appointment I had to take them to Mm -hmm. or practice for my, I just was never able to go and I wanted Mm -hmm. to, so Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, We did get a volunteer who could help three hours a week through a Clackamas a grant to Clackamas County for a caregiving program, meaning mm. if you're at home taking care of someone, in this case, elderly person, they had a volunteer program. So I think there were a couple that helped out, but that's three hours, but it was another set of eyes. Um, my mom didn't like meals and on wheels, but my dad mm-hmm. didn't mind in it. I didn't care so much because I did the cooking and the meal prep for him, but it was also another set of eyes and it gave him a little bit of independent <clears throat> little things like that helped a little, but no, I wouldn't say I got much mm-hmm. of a break. My husband mm-hmm. helped a lot, whatever they needed at their house, but we were mm-hmm. kind of all really attached to the hip. 
Mm. If there was an event at the school, we all went. But, you know, this is also another cultural thing, too, I think. A lot of chauffeuring around. It was sometimes like having four kids, you know, they're a point, four individual people who need oversight and care. (laughs) On a different spectrum, you know. Right, right. I I had a cousin because I'd call him and he went through something similar he said, in the end, you'll be glad you did it. And at mm. the time when we talk, I thought, no, I know mm. I'm never going to be glad I did it. Mm-hmm. I know that I should have just said, mom and dad, this is too much for me. Mm-hmm. It's a financial hit. And so I'm just going to need to have you have someone come to the house or maybe you need to move somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And I never did that. And, but it's funny because he had said afterwards, you'll be glad you did. And he was right mm. at the time. I never believed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my question. My follow-up was like, you know, okay, so it sounds like you didn't really get a break. And it was, you know, quite a, a long road of, yeah, caretaking and, um, and difficulty. And, and so I was wondering if that felt like there was worth and value in all of that or if there was resentment, if you have resentment. But it sounds like there might still be a little, not too much. I want, let me say though, that they did, although it wasn't the same as having a full-time job with benefits and, you know, monies that go into the social security that I get mm-hmm. when, you know, all of mm-hmm. those benefits or 401k, mm-hmm. they did help. They paid for, you know, like my daughter's gymnastics or their piano, you know, mm-hmm. because there's no way I could, you know, so I was all right with that. It was not the same as earning income. One of the reasons I'm back in school, because I've been out of the workforce for so long, but mm-hmm. um, they helped that way, you know, or, and it kind of helped us barely get by, but mm-hmm. it, it, it was financially stressing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I, I wonder how much of the gains from, from that will unfold slowly, you know, over the years of, you know, who knows what your, what your children might've benefited from all of that family interaction and, you know, like what I, yeah, what that might mean for you and your husband, you know, to have had parents around in those last days. Like I know that the, easier to look at it from here and say wow that's so lovely and I, I know that that they did get to see the whole process I don't they saw the stressful part when we mm-hmm. get I got mm-hmm. a letter from my sister's attorney or something and they saw mm-hmm. how that tore me up you know mm-hmm. I said I don't know you know what to do and it was the kids that came up with like well just have mm-hmm. a move in here and hire someone to help you here he's mm-hmm. here all the time anyway. mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't even think of that Mm -hmm. but they thought of that cool so they were involved in it you know I was like are you sure because you know you're gonna have your friends over and I know as teens you may not want you know Mm. pop here like passing (laughs) gas or you know know, all those things it's like because sometimes you know I always had to check the bathroom it just everything changes you know it's like you need to help them with their clothes and I love that. The fact that they were, uh, you know, getting busy with their lives anyway. So Mm. it's not like they were here all the time. Mm -hmm. But it was good for my dad, too, 
he gets mm-hmm. to meet my kids' friends, and mm-hmm. they get to see him too. Or maybe it helped them. I never thought of that, mm-hmm. where they they all call him Pop, you know. But I, I I will ask them more questions. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's still relatively recent, but that's yeah. It is, but yeah, it yeah. might have been a benefit that I'll never know, you know, unless they tell me much later, or maybe right. I will be on the receiving end, or their dad, or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure I mean part of the reason I ask is um because my uh my grandmother came and lived with us when I was in high school um and so my mom's mom and there was definitely tension and struggle around it um at the time and like I was a teenager so I was just like a little shit with an attitude you know like Mm -hmm. I just probably wasn't the easiest to live with but um But I look back on that and I'm really grateful that she was there, you know, like she just brought in this whole other, you know, like perspective and way of moving and, and like at the time, yeah, it felt inconvenient, but looking back, like it shaped part of my worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I know it was really hard on my mom. Um, And at the same time, I think she also is really grateful that she got yeah, the small little things that are like, not necessarily like these big family gatherings or like momentous occasions, but just like, you know, a quiet Sunday afternoon together on the couch or a walk in the neighborhood or Mm -hmm. all those little accumulated moments, I think are really valuable. Right. It was because by the time they got a little older, you know, my parents, it's not like they could pick them up from school or you know they weren't but they're they had presence and they had love and warmth mm-hmm. I recently saw a photo that my son sent me a picture of he and his girlfriend at college he was wearing my dad's corduroy mm. granolist type shirt you know like wow mm-hmm. and I said thanks for wearing that he says yeah it's real comfy and I think of him when I wear it mm-hmm. kind of making me want to tear up so I didn't think you know of those there's other benefits that Hmm. I think in our society we're thinking of them to be oh monetary or so obvious but there's things that you can't put price tags on Hmm. there's teaching moments that you know probably enriched them and I didn't know although there were stressors Mm -hmm. too don't get me wrong because I was stressed not that my (laughs) parents behavior I mean it was me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was tired and conflicted Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm probably yes somewhat resentful at the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yes and, and both. frustrated if my dad would forget and I tell him something again like mm-hmm. no remember that you know mm-hmm. oh my mm-hmm. gosh where'd my life go and then I have other friends who are taking trips with their you know mm-hmm. they're doing little girlfriend wine you know vineyard trips or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not mm-hmm yes and the self-care is out the window no self-care and this is the reality and and the story for so many people and yet it gets painted as like you're alone in that or it's abnormal or um yeah you're missing out whereas I think I think that yeah I think that that is an unfair added layer of expectation that like you know yeah, that, that I think that, again, I think that's the reality for a lot of people is taking care of parents and, 
Um, and yet like, yeah, there's, I mean, this is part of why I, you know, I, I feel like these conversations are so important is to help normalize, right? That like, um, we have these unfair expectations from our culture about what it, you know, what should quote, quote unquote, what should be happening in this time. And yeah. And that adds like maybe another layer of loneliness or frustration. And yeah, yeah because in a sense, <clears throat> they became my social group, my mm-hmm. everything, <clears throat> you know, if I went to the movie, it's because I took my dad. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'd go to the early, you know, we had our routine. And so, and then when they're gone, then it's like, I don't have any other will after mm-hmm. the estate and everything settled. It's like, what was I doing? You know, so I'm just at this point rebuilding, yeah, doing things purposely and taking care of myself mm-hmm. and not wondering how am I going to squeeze everything in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that feeling. I wonder if it's similar to after you've launched your kids in your empty nest. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. I have a whole day. Mm. I haven't had that and I don't know how long. Yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds a little bit like a, a kind of another death in some ways, right? Like a death of your freedom and independence. And then that period passes and it's like, oh, now I'm, it's like this rebirth period or like a death of that identity as caregiver. Um, yeah. And because I went like from having my kids at home, it was just... I continued to be a caregiver. I went from wiping the crumbs off my kid's mouth to wiping them off my parent. You know, it was just mm-hmm. this continual caregiving mm-hmm. cycle in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I still, despite when I talk about how much work it was, simultaneously, I miss them very much mm-hmm. and would like to see them again, mm-hmm. even though I know how difficult it was. And that would that I want to say about do we go somewhere else, heaven or what have you afterwards, is the hard part of not believing in something like heaven because I know I will never see them again. And mm. that's what's very sad for me. Mm. And I know I'll eventually, my kids won't see me either. So I had to think of that at the time. Mm-hmm. At the time you're just so busy when you think it won't happen or will happen soon but it's like there's a time where we'll never see each other based Mm -hmm. unless unless somehow I change my mind that way or Mm -hmm. there's proof elsewhere I decide to buy Mm -hmm. into that um and maybe I will just because it's easier you know that I was thinking of that at the same time too, but my kids will eventually feel the awfulness mm. that punch in the gut, take your breath away. I can't feel myself breathe. I don't, you know, experience of this whole process that they are going to feel that too. Mm. More than once in their life. I'm not happy with that either. And so that was also running through my mind through that whole process. I also want to say in when you're selling their home, if they still have one or furniture, what have you, to have to part with things they loved that myself or other relatives or friends aren't keeping. Things Mm -hmm. they worked for 
to pay maybe in payments that they took pride in that no one wants Mm -hmm. because it's older now or ugly to them and to see things go for sale in a state that someone offers you $20, you know, Mm. even though they're not around to see it, but it, I kind of felt bad for them, mm-hmm. even though they weren't around. I, mm-hmm. It wasn't a personal insult, mm-hmm. but I saw it for them, even though mm-hmm. they weren't there. And that so much of our lives, I know that my husband doesn't like when I say this, our lives end up in green bags and in dumpsters mm-hmm. or donated to whoever will take our belongings somewhere. And that was sad to see too. You know, electronics changes. Like, I don't know who's right. going to want my husband's cassettes. You see what I mean? Right. And of course. Everything yeah. is, they're going to get thrown out. A styles of furniture change or people just, um, mm-hmm. it's easier to get something at Ikea, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't want an old a dresser, even though it wasn't, had good workmanship to it. It's mm-hmm. not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even donating not everyone takes everything so you end up renting some kind of dumpster to take things away that didn't Mm -hmm. sell you know we took Mm -hmm. a few pieces we already had our home Mm -hmm. um that was quite an experience too Mm -hmm. of getting rid of a person not a person but their what used to be part of what they identified with their life yeah um photos photos of their friends Mm -hmm. that I don't know or remember you just can't keep everything I guess Mm -hmm. I could you know I could store something somewhere and but um I'm not like that Mm -hmm. and so you have to dispose of some things that you grew up with yourself I grew up with those things too Mm -hmm. and have attached some memories with it too dishes or what have you and the other piece I was not aware of is how many uh real estate agents and realtors Mm. just swarm you so quickly Mm. a week after my dad died um, my husband went to church and there was someone at church that he knew kind of and they said oh we're sorry to see that Bernie died how are you well I happened to also be a real estate agent. It wasn't even 30 seconds of a conversation. Mm. And during the estate sale, they came and started taking photos. I'd asked mm. them to leave. And it, that hurts too. Sorry for your loss. However, we're here to help if you need help in selling the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you bringing some of those elements in because I think that, yeah, those are some of these like unexpected like paper cuts, you know, these added salt in the wound and, and what you're talking about with all of the belongings, you know, like pen drawers and socks and, you know, all yes. these things that like, all the yeah. <laughs> right. A notepad. Right. You know. And then things that even have like a slight sentimental value of like, Oh, I remember this mug but like I don't like it but like it's you know it was their mug and so I maybe I should keep it and yeah it's that's it's a whole nother yeah element of things to navigate think of their Christmas decoration the ornament you know (laughs) there's just so many little things (laughs) well 
This has been a great conversation. I feel like we've brought in so many added layers and, and I really just appreciate you naming these aspects of caregiving and end of life and um, some of the administrative tasks. And I just, yeah, I really appreciate so much of what you've named as part of the process. Um, you're, you're welcome. And if you ever have follow-up questions, let me know. I just want to say one more thing, which is that I am not an expert. I'm not here to tell people how to grieve or heal or what death is or isn't. My main goal with this project is simply to create space for us to share our stories about death and dying. And from that collective experience, enable all of us to feel less alone in facing the challenges of grief and loss. Thank you for listening, for being brave and vulnerable and for your time. Any questions or comments, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and perhaps share your story too.